just a couple of broadcasters out of Boston. John Leahy and myself, Mike McNick here. The score at the end of two is Merrimack two and Providence one. Our guest here, second in the mission, Mike McMahon from the MacReport.com. Also, if you'll bear with me, College Hockey News, Eagle Tribune, uh, EagleTribune.com also, uh, NutriZone.net, College Hockey Insider. Uh, he's our guest here in this second intermission. Oh, that's it for our, our, our yeah. time left after, uh, after rattling off all of the media you're writing. I was going to say, yeah, if I add one more, uh, it'll fill up an intermission. You, you won't even need me here. you just be able to rattle it all off. All right, Mike, two periods in the books here. Uh, Merrimack's second period this season has tended to be pretty good, but that second period tonight, it was. They've had a couple of these in a row now. Well, maybe not a row, but uh, a couple of these in the last few games. I mean, the, the second period against Brown was obviously really good. Every period against Brown was pretty good. Really good first period here. Uh, I they thought they played you know, okay in the second period against Bentley last week, although they got off to a really big lead in that game. So uh, a stretch here of not playing so poorly in the second period. I don't know if we want to say a stretch of great second periods, but a stretch of not playing so poorly in the second period, which, like you said, was a concern uh, really up until the holidays. You know, you had it in the preview talking about the Flyers and the special teams, saying that special teams are going to be a key tonight and that, uh, you know, it's really tough to win a special teams battle against Providence, but you had that two-minute stretch there in the second period where Merrimack draws the penalty, scores with the extra, Olas comes, the goaltender comes to the bench, they get the extra attacker, they score with the extra attacker, then they go on the power play and they get a goal with five seconds left on the power play for the power play goal. Two big goals there, really, as a result of special team. I was going to say, what do I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just looking at the numbers coming in, their power plays at 30%. Their combined special teams is almost 120. Uh, and, and normally, 105 is kind of what teams struggle. You got 105, you're, you're doing really well on special teams. They're almost 120. Uh, so I, they're just, they're so good on special teams. I didn't think that you'd win a special teams battle if you're Merrimack. I thought you'd try to have to try to keep it at 5 and 5 as much as possible. As, it's still hard to play against it. 5 on 5, too. Really, what it boils down to is you need to cash in your opportunities. And that's what they did both those times here. They cash in on the extra attacker. They cash in on the power play. Uh, that's what ultimately becomes the most important thing. Cash in on your opportunities and their power play at 30%. I mean, you just hope you survive their chances. And they've had quite a few here. You're playing with fire a little bit. Uh, and then obviously cash in on yours. And they've been able to do that. Uh, you've had a chance to see now Cage Harding for Providence for 40 minutes. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I don't remember if it was his first shift or his second shift, but he broke up the time. Well, more of a one-on-one by the time Jandra got down there, but just kind of edged him right off the play. At that point, it was probably Merrimack's best scoring chance in the first period, and it didn't even result in a shot because Harding was able to hold him off. So, has not looked out of place at 6'7", 230, whatever he's listed at. You wouldn't think he would. Uh, but, yeah, no, he's been, he's been really good so far. Talking with Mike McMahon, uh, largely from the Mac Report and other media as well, King of All Media really here, with Merrimack leading Providence 2-1 to at the end of the second period of play. Uh, Mike, it's been a little crazy the last few weeks or so. I mean, we've seen things like the World Junior Tournament get canceled. We have seen, or actually, you know, stopped uh, just a couple of games in. Uh, they, they did start playing the tournament. They had to stop at that point. And there's still some question about if it's going to be played again later this year. I don't even know what they would do at that point if they were to resume it or when they restart it. I mean, that's questionable. But uh, yeah, I think I read this week they were looking at resuming it in the summer. Uh, when, when in the summer? I think it was July was what I had heard. How do you do that when teams have to submit their roster before the tournament starts, right? No, 
not all these players are going to be available to play if the tournament does resume later on. You wouldn't think so, no. I mean, some guys might get hurt between now and then. Some guys may sign NHL deals and, and opt not to play. Uh, maybe their NHL teams want them to play. I mean, to get to kind of get them ready for camp. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they attack that because you will almost guarantee teams are going to have to do some roster editing, uh, whether it's adding a player or dropping a player and adding a player because somebody's hurt or can't play or whatever, what have you. It's going to be it's going to take some adjustment. Well, you've got the coach of the U.S. team in the building here in Cleveland. We chatted with him before the game. I still think that. My words that it's a long shot that they'll actually be able to do that later in the year just because of the logistics and everybody involved that you'd have to coordinate with. It, it would be tough, I think. I think you'd have to find, obviously, finding building availability at that point during the year shouldn't be a huge obstacle, right? I mean, the middle of the summer. Uh, but logistically for players, I think it, I think it would be an obstacle, especially where it, it, the timing that I read, I think it was a story on TSN, it's going to be hard for them to make that timing work because you're going to have guys that have going to been off for several months uh, and then they're going to play in a tournament and potentially be off for a couple of months again before their season starts. Like It's it's weird placement. I almost think if they're going to do it, uh, the, the time that almost makes the most sense is when a lot of those teams are holding their evaluation camps for the following year's World Juniors, which is usually middle to end of August. There's usually some exhibition games there, uh, and that's when uh, a lot of the college players that are going to be evaluated for the, the following year attend those camps they get evaluated and then they go right to campus because you know a lot of colleges start September 1st or right around there uh, and then they're they're working out with their teams as soon as they get back to campus so maybe something like that works but regardless they're going to have to institute some sort of training camp or something I mean they can't I, I can't imagine they're going to have guys going from doing nothing in the summer uh, or, or you know training in the summer but not competitively playing hockey games to then just all of a sudden here we're going to we're going to jump into a world class tournament right away yeah I didn't intend to get here's another question that has to get resolved you had a couple games that got forfeited during the tournament because of teams you know doing the COVID protocol what do you do with those games I mean do you actually go back and say well now we're going to play those games and you say well at the time they win it as a forfeit they have to stay that way I think it's a mess I think you just call it a boss and say that's it for this year let's try to do it next year I would think you could go back and play the games if, if they're going to do it. You could just say, you know, we're going to, to go with the, as many completed games as possible. I think they're going to try to do something. If nothing else, you got a lot of players who you don't want to see. Like, you only get so many cracks at this tournament especially, right? So for those guys that are going to age out, it, it's really unfortunate if, if they just lose it. I'd like to see them try logistically. You know it happened in, in college of the NCAA tournament. I mean, it, it, it happened up, up in uh, Canada for the Memorial Cup, right? Didn't it? I don't remember if it happened. Uh, you know what? I think it did. The first year. In 2020, it definitely did. I don't know what they did what they did this year. Uh, but in 2020, I know. I mean, everything was canceled in, in the spring of 2020. Uh, but you would hope that they could find a way to, to try to figure something out. And if nothing else, too, at the end of the day, the TSN and, and whoever has broadcast rights in Canada pays a lot of money to the IIHF for that tournament. I think it's like $20 million. So uh, I'm sure with you know, several million dollars on the line, they're going to try to find a way to do something. Now let's turn our attention to what's going on here in college hockey with the COVID protocols. A number of schools, number of teams, uh, some schools went on pause like RPI, some schools unable to play for a week or two, number of games that got cancelled or postponed, a lot of non-league games got just outright cancelled, and some uh, league games got postponed. I saw the NCHC completely revamp their schedule to try to deal with what's happened there. Uh, What do you see happening in Hockey East around this time? (laughs) 
I have no idea. Again, I, I feel like we say this every week, right? My answer is always I have no idea. Because you don't know what next week's going to look like. I mean, this week they've been pretty fortunate. They've had almost a full slate. I think Northeastern in, in Vermont were supposed to play this weekend. It sounds like they're going to play Tuesday, uh, at least one of those games. So, oh, yeah, so almost everybody's going to be able to get most of their games in. But if this keeps happening, I keep saying it, if this, this is going to be a mess if it keeps happening because eventually you can't postpone games anymore. You're going to run out of time. You're either going to end up with teams playing four games a week or you're going to have to do what... Like the NCHC has basically said uh, they're going to try to make up all the games if they can't and there's an uneven number of games played. In the league at the end of the year, uh, point percentage is, a, is what's going to be used to determine the final standings. You're going to need to do something uh, because, like I said, eventually you're, you're going to run out of time. There's, a, there's a, a very hard stop here as far as the NCAA tournament goes. So you can't extend it out forever. Uh, they're going to have to, if, if it keeps happening, I think they're going to have to figure out some sort of plan. The NCHC plan is what makes the most sense. You just go to a point percentage. Uh, I, don't, I think you do that rather than, than forfeiting games. But at the same time, that's gonna. I still it's gonna upset. I think some teams who you know. Let's say you lose a game against a team that's finished in eleventh place, and you're like, well, you know, my opponent got well. The, the team ahead of me in the standings got to play that team three times. Let's say, and I only got to play them once, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a mess. That's already happening to a certain extent with the three games versus two games against some oh, team. It, yeah, I don't like that either. Yeah. You know what else we're gonna see is that you're gonna have teams where certain players are just not gonna be available. You know, I, I think that we saw it last week against Bentley Merrimack. Bentley was strictly affected by the fact that their top goal tender was one of the top losers, and also their number one defenseman were unable to play in that game. And you're going to see that, I think, from week to week here, even in the teams that can play. But the other thing I wanted to ask you about before we do have to let you go, because John's giving me a signal here with four minutes to go in the intermission, but uh, the U.S. Olympic team announced that the NHL not sending their players. The uh, um, USA Hockey had to you know, change direction, pivot there, and announced their team uh, just the other day, yesterday, I think it was, in fact. Um, two players each from Boston College and BU, including BU goaltender Drew Comesso. How's that going to affect the, uh, the playing of the, the games down the stretch here in the regular season? It's going to affect a lot. Uh, you know, I, I think I think I read that most of those players are going to are going to report or leave on the, the 3rd of February to travel. And I think if they go, if you go all the way to the gold medal game, I think you're probably out to like the 26th. So they're going to miss about three weeks, three and a half weeks. It's going to affect a lot, you know, down the stretch for sure. Uh, and that's the other thing, right? Now you go from a situation of going back to what we were just talking about with COVID. Teams that don't have enough players are postponing games or, or teams that don't have the right players maybe are postponing games in some cases. Uh, but what's going to happen now when you go to the Olympics and you take a bunch of guys out of these lineups now, especially with a team like Michigan that's going to lose a lot of players, that's just less available players that they're going to have that's going to get messy. Yeah, I was going to ask you, is Michigan going to play at all during that month of February? But, yeah, they're just, they might be done for the year. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Mike, thanks for joining us as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, thanks. Alright, folks, check out his work. Mike McMahon and the MacReport.com, the Eagle Tribune as well and elsewhere. The score after two is Merrimack 2, Providence 1. We'll be back with more right after this. This is Warrior Hockey.